I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. I think it's your dishwasher that's like on that's must be on like the last bit of the cycle or something and it, it kind of got a little crazy there for it, a second. You know, I did may or maybe maybe not, you know, shove it full of stuff. I can't speak to that. It's just, you know, I try to be very like I am not running the dishwasher until it's absolutely full. Mm-hmm. I'm very um frugal. Right. And so um, even my son's like, Mama, it won't fit in there. <laughs> like that dish will not fit in there. And I'm like, I will make it fit. And it's eh, probably a little extreme. But um, yeah. So Listen, the house that I'm moving into soon um, is the first time I will have a dishwasher yeah. in my life. How's um, that going? You're, you're you know, Renault we're and- still working. Um but, but moving soon, right? Moving soon. Hopefully by the end of September, nice. we will move. But I, we had a dishwasher in my house when I was a kid, but like I never used it. Um, Your mom made you do dishes? No, I didn't really do dishes. That wasn't really one of my chores. Oh. Um, and I hate dishes, so I'm glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs> um, and then my apartment I lived in in D.C. had one, but smelled real weird, so I never used it. Um, and it had like a leak. It was a whole thing. Um, yay apartments. Uh, my New York apartment did not have one. And my apartment that I'm currently living in does not have one. So, but our house will. And it works. And it's clean. I am most excited about the fact that we've got a podcast room. Yeah, we have a whole space. Like... We're That's... just going to have to make sure that we have um, a rug because yes. it would be very echoey. Yeah. Well, it's also, so the way that the room is set up, it's really cool. It's got like built-in shelves too. So we'll have, like I'll have Library. all my books in there and then it's got a closet that we'll stick our, you know, janky microphone poles in. Um, I feel like now that we're getting a podcast room. I feel like we're moving up in the world. We are, and pretty soon, I mean, we're going to be full on, like, official podcasters. We're going to have to hire, like, a producer. Right. I already have someone who said that they will, they're ready. No way. They're ready to, like, come be our researcher. Really? Yeah. My friend Chris. He's down? He's... She. Oh, she. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, Yes, but she was like, listen... When y'all make it big and can hire someone, <laughs> I want this job. Oh. Well, I feel like there's several people who like... That would be great. We so, know Chris, that would do this. Um, I hate to burst your bubble, darling, but um, making it big, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Um, we are slowly moving forward on merch. Um, yeah, I never heard any updates. Listen, I'm that. giving Holly the updates as I give it to you because I procrastinated hardcore. Um, and I reached out to a good friend of mine who's a local artist and I was like, Hey, can you do this? Also, if not, do you know someone? And so I have a contact info for a guy. Have I reached out to him yet? Sure. Haven't. 
Um, <laughs> but I've got one step closer and I have his phone number. What the hell have you been doing? Working or something? I mean, you know, it's just... Oh my gosh. Excuses, we're on week two excuses. of school. I am... Excuse after excuse. Dying. Um, oh, I'm trying to rehab a house and move in. Ugh, I'm trying to work. <laughs> When Please. do I, I have like all the free time in the world? Yeah, um, between I'm trying the hours to research of, and sleep. Like, come on. Right. What else could I be doing besides <sighs> talking to some guy about Stickers. graphic design? <laughs> well, if you need my assistance, you just let me know. I I, will. I don't even know what these things would look like because you have not shared what's in your what's in my head. brain. I don't know no. how to get what's in my brain onto some Betty's piece of paper. Oh, God. Or how this is going to... And gonna... that's another thing from you guys. We have not heard your input, and I will put this on social media, Yeah, though. yeah. Um, your input about what you would like to see as far as stickers and would t-shirts. Would you even like, buy this? Would you even buy it? Are you like, don't waste your time? That sounds stupid. Like crazy. Yeah. But I, like, I have this grand idea of what I want things to look like in my head. I just have to find somebody who I can... And if you, yourself, are... A graphic designer or know anything about that um <laughs> shoot us an email <laughs> and let us know mountain mysteries dot appalachian at gmail.com and Haley will respond to you i sure will <laughs> she will because we we need help we need help sos we're drowning all right episode 102 yeah um what you so, got <laughs> i got the body farm <gasps> You know, that was my dream when I was, like, in middle high, in high school. I wanted to go there so bad. Same. I and still do. I feel like you and I are just not only kindred spirits in that way, but also sick puppies. <laughs> Probably, yes. Yes. So um, bad do I want to go. I Same. So, the body farm, uh, you know... I'm going to tell you all about today. And it's, as I was digging into this, more and more really cool things started to come from this. So, okay. I'm so excited. Children, I want to sit you down and tell you a story. <laughs> Once upon a time, in a land not so far away, mm -hmm. uh, lie a group of individuals, unknown to each other in life, but sharing a common space in death. That's right. I'm talking about the body farm in Knoxville, Tennessee. <gasps> ah, Knoxville. We just keep coming back for more, and you do not disappoint. You don't. You just keep bringing it to you us. You bring it. Every time. Every you time. You in West Virginia. I know. Bringing it. You guys, like, blow my mind with all of your weird things and murder and, oof. I just don't know it. if I want to live there. I mean, visiting, absolutely. I have visited several times. There's Me all too. kinds of fun things to do in Knoxville. My friend um, lived in Merville, Merville for a while. Yeah, Merville. And she got married in and around Alcoa, um, and her sister lives in Knoxville. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the body farm, you heard right. And if you've wondered how forensic investigators learn their craft, many have studied directly at the body farm, or at least research techniques uh, created through the site in particular. I always wanted to be one of those CSI investigators. Like mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. when that show came on, which was around 2000, I was like, wow, that would be so cool. Yeah, I actually just restarted that watching it. Really? Mm -hmm. It's on Hulu. 
Okay, I haven't seen it in years, so I yeah. need to go back to and go start it. it. It's really, really mm-hmm. good. It just like it, like it aged well too. Like, yeah, it's just it's just a good show. It's good writing. It's good, like Mark Helgenberger. Oh my god, I know she is to me. She is very similar to um, Mariska Hargitay. I, who is my girl yes. crush? I think yeah, we, we both, but also Marge as well. Yes, solid girl crush. On Absolutely, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So, you ask yourself, how did this farm of random bodies get started, and where in the world did they get these people from? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. I, I did. <laughs> where, Holly? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Haley. Okay, so it's the mid 1960s. Dr. William Bass was an anthropologist working at the University of Kansas. He, much like us, was curious on how you could determine the time of death in livestock, particularly like decomposing cows, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they have a lot of in Kansas. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some experience with that myself. Oh, yes, you do. You Mm -hmm. told me a story about that once. Yeah, it's Halloween. It's the whole thing. Mm. He placed the cow... (laughs) In a field and observed it day after day. The metamorphosis that occurred, you know, he noted and, you know, paid a lot of attention to. And this led him to wonder how quickly human bodies break down and turn from flesh to bone. Mm -hmm. Now, Haley also had wondered this herself. Don't have experience with this as much. whatever (laughs) so she says um at this point there wasn't a great deal of research available in this area and it really sparked dr bass's curiosity i mean i think that's true when you are curious about a subject Mm -hmm. i instantly go and try and research it to find out more and if there's nothing there i find that is a great opportunity that's you know to be the catalyst for um the source of information like okay this is an opportunity for me to go about seeking this out myself so gonna be honest here like him i would be like hmm how should i make this come into fruition (laughs) so forensic anthropology like forensics and anthropology have always really fascinated me Mm -hmm. like i said so i'd probably be down to like be on his team yeah, my favorite class when I was in community college was I got randomly thrown into an anthropology class because I was supposed to be in communications. It was full. Those are two very different Somebody things. messed up and they're like, well, you need another humanities elective. Anthropology is open. Godspeed. And I was like, all right. So I roll in there and my professor was also a paleontologist. Yes. So she worked on sites like that had human remains, but like ancient people and she brought casts in and we got to like hold the casts of the skulls and look at them and it was so freaking cool and i still remember that class i think i was in i was in high school when i took it i think i was probably like 14 15 years old and i was obsessed i think this is an opportunity now both of us have master's degrees but Mm -hmm. i feel like this is an opportunity for us to you know what let's go and explore that let's go take her class i have too many student loans no 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 no. but i mean maybe just audit her class yeah yeah Yeah. maybe we can be like hello we are simply here to observe 
Right? It's like, I don't need any homework. I just want to sit here and listen to you talk. Oh, God, no. I don't need no homework. No, I can't. Ain't nobody got time for no. that. But I do want to, like, touch her casts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I didn't say touch bones. <laughs> I don't even remember this professor's name, but I apologize if you're listening. You know who you are. I don't apologize. <laughs> I'm just me. No, but that would be really fun. We should be do that. Awesome. That's so cool. So Dr. Bass's inquiry about human decomposition would finally be studied years later. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of get that thought into your head and you're like, how can I make this happen? And, you know, time, place, it just all doesn't fit exactly. Can you so. imagine being in that like boardroom when this was pitched? Or trying to write that grant? Well, <laughs> like, um... And, and, you know, so when we talk about universities, we're talking about um, people in administration who, you know, you got to get this past folks who deal with the money. Mm-hmm. You got to get this past folks who, you know, are really like, what are we trying to do here what at this university? Exactly. What this? is this going to look yeah. like? How are we going to present this to the community it's and all like, these things? We have to spin this and it's going to be a very prestigious thing and not just like a field of bodies. <laughs> exactly. Like, give us your bones. <laughs> it's got to be more like, this is for scientifically such. You right. Know? You got to get, make sure that's at the forefront. A hundred percent. Because when you're going, you know, with your slideshow and you're like, now, <laughs> this was Johnny. Johnny died of, you know, tuberculosis. Johnny is now laying in my backyard. <laughs> I'm watching Johnny decompose and making notes about it. This is stage one of Johnny's decomp- decomposition. Oh. We now use him as compost. Like, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine how horrified these people are who deal with numbers all right. the time? Who are like, and they're thinking like, oh my God, no one's ever going to come to this university actually, because we actually, have dead people here. Um, this feels like this might be more costly um, than being something that would be um, worthwhile. So I don't know why suddenly, you know, they deal with numbers and they speak like that, right. but I just kind of take That's them nice. as nerdy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a divide between like you know, people in certain fields and who are kind of working in it versus people who work more in the money area yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, you gotta they get tend not to understand people. each other. No, yeah. There's definitely a disconnect. People who work like in the field are kind of like, but I don't understand. Why can't we fund this? This makes so much sense. It makes so much sense to us versus people who deal with the money are like, this is stupid. There is no an way. insane person. If you want to get paid... <laughs> Nicole shut the front door. Yes. <laughs> so yes. it took a little while, but yeah, I by can imagine. My nineteen seventy seven, Dr. Bass had moved from Kansas to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. And it was then that Dr. Bass was called out to Franklin, Tennessee, which is an area this is near uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. And this is where a murder victim was found laying on top of a Confederate soldier's grave. So that's, yeah. This soldier had been killed at the Battle of Nashville in 1864. So this grave was pretty darn old. Mm -hmm. Um, So the man on top of the grave was fully clothed and appeared to have been deceased for a little less than a year. Um, The body was well intact and had most of its flesh. So, okay, cool. Um, You do have to wonder, was it some kind of statement to like put a murdered body on top of a soldier's grave? Like, you know. It's weird. It, it's it's 
strange. Um, so when Dr. Bass and his team began analyzing the victim and samples of his clothing, they made a startling discovery. The young man was not a random murder victim at all. Mm-hmm. He was the Confederate soldier who died in 1864. Why is he on the top of the ground? Okay. Why is he up there? Okay, so this... Did someone dig him up? Okay. Turns out, grave robbers... Oh, my God. ...had punctured the soldier's coffin, which had been made out of cast iron and was sealed super tight. Okay. Okay, so the robbers, thinking they could steal money, jewelry, etc., got a surprise... When the soldier still looked like a man and not a pile of bones. Very well preserved. A hundred percent. And so the robbers were like, WTF. Nope, they're out of there. Closed the grave <laughs> and like haphazardly, like, you know, searched him for gold, money, whatever. And then just like threw him on top of the graves. So and later like, days and we're <laughs> out of there. Exactly. Totally freaked him out and covered him lightly with dirt, uh, I guess, to like rebury him, if you will. And they were like, peace out. Uh, See you never. Nope. Exactly. Exactly. So gotcha. not long after this, Dr. Bass's department uh, was donated several unclaimed bodies for research purposes. So this got out. This feels illegal. <laughs> yes. And, you know, honestly, if you really you know want to think about it if he's going back to the soldier i mean he was in a cast iron casket right and still completely tight so he wasn't exposed to moisture Mm -hmm. or air or any of the things that can easily break down a body right and so his body was well preserved so it seems natural that you would think like oh yeah he was just murdered like a year ago or something happened like so that just goes to show like how skilled his team was Mm -hmm. being able to say actually (laughs) so suddenly he starts getting all these bodies dr bass encouraged the university to use some of the property behind the school Mm -hmm. to create the body farm again i'm sure the school was right on board with that said yep let's do it uh all right so is this where like students are gonna park on the first day and (laughs) it's like just we'll we'll put tape around it you know like (laughs) caution caution tape then we'll just have them there and you know maybe we'll put a tent over them maybe not but like can you how do they control the smell you know that's a really good question because that would that sulfur that those smells would just permeate the air you would think and i mean i'm sure for like you know freshmen coming on campus you know you want to make sure that like the dormitories are not near the body farm. i'm sure it's a ways off i i believe so i haven't been there I but been i there. would assume um <laughs> it's like a butts up against the freshman dorm it's like listen you got to do your time <laughs> this is like hazing you gotta be here can you imagine on your first day you know your your parents are with you dropping off all your crap mm-hmm. you know and they're you like in. you've got your twinkle lights that you're gonna hang up <laughs> your bed. look out your window and there's just a dead dude your um extra long twin sheets that yeah. you're putting on the bed and you're like and you're, oh my god there's been a crime and they're like no 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 <laughs> oh my i saw a dead body that's of like, course you oh, did that's normal that's, that's typical every day. it's you know <laughs> you open you're like let's see what kind of view i have and you're like holy you, you just know keep them shut yes keep those blinds you shut. do you do and then you almost you know if you were us you would start to get into like is it haunted 
Like, are these... Probably. Oh, probably. 100%. (laughs) Okay, tell me more. So, this would be the place where Dr. Bass and his team could study how human bodies react in varying stages of decomposition. His dream came into fruition in 1980 when the university fenced in, well, obviously, <laughs> fenced it in. a two and a half acre wooded lot behind the school for what is known as the body farm. That's a lot of land. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm two and a half acres. That's actually not, though, if you think no, about it. No, I'm thinking about, no, it's not, actually. I mean, yeah, but no. Right. And actually, that's a lot to fence in as well. So that was probably very costly for the school. And and probably a grant, I would think. I don't know how you fund that. I don't know um, who you so, wrote to for that grant. <laughs> Dearest says, I want bodies in my backyard. Of this university. Why always are they English? Are they I don't British? know. Uh, so I love, though, that somebody just dreams of a body farm. It's like, I listen, this is my passion. I've been waiting. This is what I want. For a bod like you. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like this is one of your dreams. I'm obsessed with this. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I mean, as much as I'm like kind of poking fun at this, this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, totally. It's amazing. I, um, and like the advancements that have come because of this place. Fascinating. I love it. For those who are renting to Haley. Um, I love careful. it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so on this body farm, Dr. Bass and his students took a slab of concrete and placed a shed on top of it with a porch. Inside the shed were the tools needed to work with bodies like retractors, saws, you know, all those things that you may need. Um, and the porch was uh, where they could lay the bodies on a metal slab like, you know, an autopsy table. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to think about because when I hear shed, I instantly think of my dad's like junky old shed filled mm-hmm. with like paint and letters and crap, you know. And I can hear me yelling, Haley! Bring the body to over here to the shed. So when I'm thinking porch, <laughs> I'm picturing the porch at my house currently, which is like, it's just kind of a concrete like rocking slab chairs and it's and... like got some columns on it and, you know, it's a porch and the the cars are driving by. I live, you know, on a residential street and have neighbors pretty close by and, you know, so the cars are driving by and I like have my saw in my hand and I'm, you know doing what I have to do with his body and you know Bob walking his dog down the street and I just wave at him why did you have the saw in your hand when you're waving because you you all didn't see this but she was talking about sawing and someone comes by and she raises the same hand that's holding that saw (laughs) and is waving at Bob yeah because I mean like you're just sawing up a body there or like something as as you normally as one does on their porch apparently I don't know. I think That's porch. That's just a visual that I came think, to my mind. I don't know. I think, you know, rocking, you know, maybe having a nice drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even coffee like it's the morning. I'm folks thinking are, a porch beer. Folk, ooh, I love mm-hmm. that. Folks are uh, walking their beer. dogs and just, you know, maybe going for a little jog. Suddenly, you pop those earbuds out and you turn and go, hi, Haley. Hello. <laughs> Waving. Hey, <laughs> got an early start to work this morning. Thought I would just chop up this guy here. Have Listen, a good I got to put him in the backyard. It may smell a little funky for a few weeks, but You'll get over it'll it. be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm so glad we share property. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so I'm just, I mean, this changes our concept of backyard, changes our concept of shed, porch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. All right. So in May of 1981, the body farm was up and running and they had received their first donation. <gasps> yes. Nice. This was the corpse of a 73-year-old man who had died from emphysema and heart disease. Mm. So he didn't die of any kind of nefarious causes. Um, But in order to keep the man's identity confidential, they simply referred to him as 1-81. So this stands for the number in which the body was donated and the year. So he was the first, and it was 1981. So 1-1. So in this case, um, he would be the first body that lay at the farm. Okay. Oh, uh, I feel like there's like an honor for that. I like know. You were, you always remember the first. first. Mm. Always remember yep. your first. When working uh, in actual crime cases without donated bodies, Dr. Bash usually would flip the number in the year. So if the body was found in 1982, for example, and it was the fifth body, he would write something like 1982-5. So gotcha. just to distinguish between what was on the farm and cases that he went to investigate outside so it's a good plan makes sense i'd hate to get those bodies mixed up yeah that'd be a bad time very different absolutely so in the early years of the body farm students spent a good portion of time researching uh the presence of insects on decomposing Mm -hmm. bodies um one student in particular bill rodriguez observed that blowflies quickly began swarming a body left out in the elements they began laying their eggs in all orifices of the body. Hate um, that. Ooh, yeah. Just the thought makes me cringe. Um, these eggs would end up hatching into thousands of maggots and beetles. Gross. Thousands. Gross. As the body continued to rot, yellow jackets and wasps began inhabiting the body, looking for a little bite to eat. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Rodriguez was able to classify decomposition into four distinct stages. Get your pencils out. I'm ready. Here we go. Taking notes. All right. The first stage is known as the fresh stage. Mm. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) This is when blowflies are swirling the body looking for a nice piece of flesh to burrow and lay their eggs. Mm. Love that. As I mentioned, maggots quickly begin feeding and thousands cover the body. While still in the fresh stage, the jaw and mandible begin to move downward and stretch out, which appears as if the person is smiling. Now, you had told me screaming. before, or screaming, <laughs> you had told me before, you know, having worked in hospice, that, you know, typically the jaw will relax. It does, and it's sometimes creepy looking. It's, yeah, you roll a, usually what we would do is roll a towel up and like stick it under their neck. So it would keep, keep that the mouth doesn't shut. freak people, especially out. if like family's there or something, and they want to come back in after we've like cleaned up the body to like you know have that you know moment with their loved one. You don't really want them looking spooky. Surprise! Uh... I know the mouth's open. Sometimes the eyes don't close, and you got to put a little bit of tape on there. Tape those and... suckers down. Yeah, yeah, that's always very. It's just. Ugh. They were surprised by death. Right. It's like, not at that point they weren't. <laughs> the time I was, they were not surprised. Dun, dun, dun. So at this point, you know, the body is still easily recognizable. Mm-hmm. You know, hair and skin are still securely attached. They look like people mm-hmm. at the fresh stage. All right? Right. 
Stage two, otherwise known as the bloat stage. This is where bacteria in the intestine starts to build up and it produces gases that are emitted through the tissue of the body and into the air. And when a body fills up with gas, the corpse will enlarge and appear to be Mm. bloated. Now, this is kind of like when I eat a lot of beans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My stomach gets all bloated and just filled with gas and nobody wants to be in the room with me. Yeah, I've only seen this and like when this happens in animals from mm. growing up on a farm. Um, you just, you know, you're around a lot of life and death on a farm. Um, but the story of the cow situation, it died. We had a, a large cow that had died on the farm and um, you usually take like big animals like that to a landfill pretty much i did not know you take that. them like directly to a landfill and they have like a whole process of like where you put them because you don't want i mean you can't bury every animal that dies yeah that's true on a farm um so you load them up in your trailer and you take them well apparently landfill was closed and it was halloween weekend <laughs> so there's some reason they couldn't get it out there so that cow stayed in that trailer for like three four days I think oh God, the smell must. Come. Oh, it was so bad. It smelled so bad. We could smell it from the house. Like I said, it's a farm, but we live on a very residential street, which is very confusing. Um, <laughs> and it was Halloween, and we have around like three hundred trick or treaters on our street. Mm-hmm. So it was a very memorable year for everyone involved. <laughs> it was like, like wow, that mm. house smells like death. The whole well, street. I mean, apropos for Halloween, I know, and I was like, well, at least it was Halloween and not like Easter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he has risen. Oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. So. Well, on that <laughs> on happy that. note. So, yes, I so, do have experience so with the bloat. <laughs> I, again, when I eat beans, I'm just saying, I understand the bloat. And you're lucky you're not around when I do, because what comes out of me does not smell that great. Mm. So, happy Halloween. <laughs> um, so, we've got the fresh stage and the bloat stage. Gotcha. All right. Moving so, on. stage number three. The decay stage. Obviously, this is when the body begins to break down, losing its appearance and structure. And the flesh actually starts to fall off the bones. That's like your unidentifiable roadkill stage, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Where you're like, is that a person? What is that? What? I live in kind of a rural-ish area. You're like, mmm, dinner. (laughs) Listen, I do know people who've done that too. They hit the deer and then they just load it in the back you of the were, pickup. Listen, she was out mudding. You were out mudding. You hit and that deer. She's like, oh, it was a good size. Snap. You put it in the back of the truck. Deer. And I was you thinking more on. like possum, but okay. No, you don't eat possums, Chris. Not good. No. I wouldn't eat deer. It's pretty good. Uh, um. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, y'all. <laughs> no, there was a. Uh, I guess it was the end of, towards the end of last school year, there had been a deer hit, you know, on the road, and it just kind of happens, and it was drug out to, like, a field, but you could see it from the road. Anyway, I was fascinated with this whole process, because I would see that dead deer every time I drove to work. You're like, where is it in the stages of Right, and it was, like, I saw it was when it was fresh, mm-hmm. I saw it when it was bloated, I saw it when it started to kind of decay, and then the buzzards came. Mm-hmm. And that sucker was gone in like a day. Yep. The whole thing. They're circling. Deer and then... gone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what happened? Fascinated. I don't know if anybody else was fascinated by that, but I was like, did y'all see that deer? 
Mm-hmm. That was it. They're like, oh, yeah, it was so sad. I'm like, no, it was so cool. <laughs> Naturally, I think, <laughs> you know, and, and this actually seems to be uh, perhaps something that you would think about, like when you should perish, is just being exposed to the elements, how quickly y- you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's because of heat or animals or whatever it may be, like a body can quickly decompose when it's outside. Yeah. We talk about how my dad, I don't really care what happens to my body after I die That's a lot. Um, but if I did have... You know, in all seriousness, what I would uh, like to happen, honestly, is just dig a hole and put me in it. Like I don't like a shallow hole. I mean, be up to health code standards. <laughs> um, but just like I don't need a casket. I guess like I don't yeah. need anything like that. Yeah. Like I guess whatever you know, biodegradable wrapping. I agree. You want to put me in? Just chuck me in there. I'll be gone in like a week human compost right and then like i just return to the earth and then we're good yeah ashes to ashes dust to dust that kind of just makes me is great compost for these (laughs) flowers oh these veggies are really good where did you get these that (laughs) maybe plant a tree over me (laughs) oh oops i planted a whole carpet (laughs) oh my god this guy wow it's very, all of your veggies are kind of all red. <laughs> Why? Oh, because she was a redhead. Okay, no. tell me okay. more about this decay stage. Whatever. All right, so <laughs> that's the decay stage, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's it's when it's, ooh, is that like a person? It's, it's starting to look very, very different all right. of a sudden. And I think that if you saw someone in that stage, it would be very... <gasps> Yeah, and also during that. the decay stage, this is where we get those smells yeah. that start to come. All right, so stage four, the final stage, is known as the dry stage. This is actually when the body has completely decayed and is now skeletonized. Interesting. Yes. So when working with the body of 1-81, their first one mm-hmm. ever, Rodriguez noted that it only took about a month in the elements for the body to go from fresh to dry huh so skeletonized in one month that's very rapid it is but it feels right well they noticed that microbes and insects had consumed most of the fatty tissue and while exposure to the sun had caused the bones to dry out Mm -hmm. um and if you think this was between may and june of 1981 um so the heat definitely played a factor in decomp and in case you were wondering, I am a nerd, and I looked up what the weather was in Knoxville oh, of course you between did. May and June of 81, <laughs> and typically the high was in and around 85 degrees at the hottest point in the okay. day. So a body at 85 degrees in direct sunlight um, would definitely start to break down oh, a lot yeah. faster. Oh, yeah. Um, and I imagine the smell... <laughs> you mix heat with decomposing body and i'm sure that you know the Mm -hmm. freshmen were like "Mm, what is that delightful smell i can't even imagine i mean i've smelled like a dead mouse oh god like with one dies like in your house or something or like in a cabinet or in a ceiling wall situation that smell is horrific yes and that's a tiny little mouse. Mm-hmm. 
Can you imagine a human? No. And all the gases and things. I mean, I've that- smelled like livestock, but not like through the whole phase. Like you get those out of there pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. But like, no. So the body farm is still in operation today. Yes, and it is, is. So just so you know, if you dare get an inkling, it's surrounded by razor-wired fencing to I've keep the figured. bone stillers and curious passerbys at bay. Can you, I wonder if you could take a tour. I don't know. I bet you can't of the actual, like, site. I think that they have a, they probably have, like, a part that they let people see probably so i'm sure they don't like, take you out on the lot no because you look at the part of it is the forensics and you would mess up right. investigations yeah, you so you could yeah, yeah but i bet they have like an information wing or something i'm sure they do that like they at could the s- university i feel like you and i would just be like drooling on ourselves oh, I know. like i'd be wow so cool i'm like so tell me all the stories i want to know all the things yes so there are usually 40 bodies on the premises at one time mm-hmm. and each are laid out in differing scenarios to determine things like cause time of death how the elements play the role in determining these factors so in fact research obtained through the body farm has been very helpful in solving cases and leading to murder convictions mm-hmm. in fact in 1991 dr bass and his students were called out to a car arson uh, where the victim had been burned pretty extensively and in order to determine when the victim died, they turned their focus to entomology, or AKA, the study of bugs. Nice. Yep. Bugs are always a great clue on mm-hmm. dead bodies to help determine time of death. So in this case, they took some of the charred remains back to their lab's lab. <laughs> get, get on the porch! <laughs> Where they studied the migration and spread of insects. They were able to determine that the victim had been dead through an entire life cycle of the blowfly, which accounted for about a two-week span. Okay. So it was concluded that the man was killed at least two weeks prior to the car being set on fire. Hmm. This knowledge actually helped police hone in on the culprit and get a conviction. Yeah. So cool. get Isn't it. that cool? Blowflies. So while the body farm has been helpful in convicting murderers, it has also helped set the innocent free. Nice. I love yes. that. In 1981, God's a man... Work. Exactly, right? In 81, um, a man named Alan Jell was in prison for murdering um, someone named Alan Ray Jenkins. So Jell maintained, you know, that he was not even present during the time that Jenkins was killed. His lawyer called upon Bass and his team to use a system of measurement known as degree days. So this monitors daily temperature along with the spread of maggots on the body to determine range of death. Turns out Jenkins had been killed while Jell was in prison. (laughs) And so he could not have been the murderer and he was set free. Fascinating. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh. All right, so the last case I wanted to tell you about occurred in 2007 this one was so cool so bass and his team with permission from the family and court system obviously exhumed the body of jp richardson jr otherwise known as the big bopper all right so you probably don't know about this because you're a youngster but the big bopper was a, a famous artist musician who died in a plane crash along with Buddy Holly oh, yeah. in 1959. Okay, that yeah. name I know. <laughs> yes. So the Big Bopper's son, Jay, who was actually 
his mother was pregnant with him when his dad died. Mm. Um, so we never really knew him. But Jay encouraged Bass's team to investigate after rumors plagued the family for years about his dad's death. So there was actually reports that claim that the Big Bopper had been shot by Buddy Holly's gun and that the commotion had caused the plane to crash Whoa. so that he actually was shot and killed prior to this crash. Huh. So the Big Bopper son, you know, just really wanted answers to... Questions that haunted their family for decades. Yeah. So Dr. Bass exhumed the body. Well, he, not himself, but the body was exhumed Mm -hmm. and they used x-ray technology to examine the bones. He concluded with a fair amount of certainty that the big bopper had not been shot at all. Hmm. He had actually died due to impact of the crash. Right. Dr. Bass presented his findings such as fractures in the chest, skull, pelvis, and legs his death was pretty immediate upon impact, and he finally gave the family some peace and closure. So, and then they reburied his body. Nice. The body farm continues to thrive today, and anthropological researchers have made advances in post-mortem analysis. Researchers have been able to determine a person's lifestyle, heritage, and environment based on their bones. And this helps us create an understanding of how individuals lived and subsequently how they died. Mm. Currently, the body farm hopes to expand (laughs) um, as this is kind of like we talked about. Two and a half acres is a small area. Exactly. Especially when we're talking about, you know, 40 bodies and trying to create different conditions. Mm -hmm. So in order to study these cadavers, you know, they need more space right and they're getting more and more donations each year so anthropological students are now researching compounds that are released by human bodies and into the air so Hmm. these compounds can be sniffed out by canines yeah there are about 400 dogs exactly right there are about 400 compounds that dead bodies give off yeah, that's a lot. And they're trying to train canines to, you know, seek out these compounds. And mm-hmm. this could help find missing people yeah. who have, like, died and, and all those fun things. So if you wish to donate your body to the body farm, which, by the way, they get between 30 and 50 bodies a year. Wow. Mm-hmm. You have to meet certain criteria. Mm-hmm. So, for example, once your body has been donated, you are not given back to your family. Right. So Obviously. it's kind of a done deal. So yeah. your skeleton uh, will be removed from the farm once they've you mm-hmm. know used you, and you'll be placed into the skeleton collection for future analysis. How freaking cool <laughs> is that? Go see it. What? I must go see this. That's so yes, cool. Yes. Yes. Skeleton. So additionally, those who had AIDS or MRSA can only be donated if you're cremated first. So this actually is interesting to me because dead bodies, I mean, blood and tissue die when the person dies. So Mm -hmm. a virus like AIDS would not remain active and therefore would not infect others. I mean, and even you could drain the blood from somebody's body prior to donation like there just would so be they no would way take your cremains though? they would take your yes yes so yeah even if you've been cremated you can still be donated to science for That's research really cool, though. i, I not agree. know that i would not have thought that uh, me neither so do know that pre-donation <laughs> all paperwork must be complete <laughs> I know. So you have to like decide like this is well no because that makes sense. We 
we had a couple people when I was working in hospice that donated their bodies to science. Yeah. And it is a whole process. And when they die, there's a whole process that the nurses had to do, that I had to do as a social worker. Like, as soon as they died, I would get a phone call and, like, immediately had to start that whole thing. Like, they have to be kept at a certain temperature. Yes. Like, I mean, you had to have, like, ice packs on the ready. Yes. Cooling. Like, it's a whole thing. It is. And, you know, prior to them coming to pick up your bod, Mm -hmm. all the paperwork must be signed, sealed, delivered, done. Yeah. And I'm a paperwork guru. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get that. And I am anal about my paperwork. So don't worry. If I make the decision to donate my body, that paperwork will be done. Completely. (laughs) All right. So that's my body farm. That's so cool. Would you would you ever considered like donating your body to science? Oh gosh. You know, I thought about this and I don't know. So part of me feels like for the sake of my son, he right. may want a place to visit you. Either a place to visit me or, yes. Like a piece of you. A piece of me or, you know, even if I were an urn on the mantle, he could still be like, there's mom, you know. So if I were donated to science and and they're not getting my body back, there may be, I mean, he would maybe be able to see me at the skeleton collection. Right. He's like, there's mom, (laughs) you know. I I don't know. Like, yeah, with you with kids, it would have to be, you know, a conversation, obviously, when he's much older. And I'm also curious, like, if my body is now you know once it becomes a skeleton and it's part of the collection is he allowed to come visit yeah you know what i mean like would he want to (laughs) would he want to because i think it's one thing to go to a graveyard and and know that they're underneath there Mm -hmm. and chances are now they're skeletonized but i think it's totally different to like go see mom the skeleton skeleton. yeah that's (laughs) that's kind of weird I don't think, like, there's nothing in me that really draws me to, as cool as I think it is, to donate my body to, like, the body farm, I guess. Yeah. But I could see myself donating, like, say for some, you know, in the future I get some, like, crazy rare disease or something. And, like, that's something there's not a lot of research on. I could see myself doing that. Definitely. Like... I don't know, something. If you want me to, I will donate your body. I'll leave that in your hands because I know the paperwork will get done. It will get done. <laughs> if, you're, if you're doing it, now, the paperwork will I've get done. I've recognized that your family will be grieving and I will be grieving too because right. how the hell am I supposed to do this by myself? <laughs> um, but I know that you will handle that paperwork. But, I, but rest assured in, in your afterlife <laughs> that I will take care of it. That it has it been will be done. done. Yes. And and with great eye for detail. Yes. There will be no denial based on the missignature. <laughs> no. Wrong, on, dates. wrong dates. It will not get sent back. It will be done. It will be perfect. And if my boss is listening, uh, you know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we worked together, I was like, there was never a time where it was any of Holly's paperwork that got... Like, it was always when they came to audit us, it was always like cases that Holly had worked on that we were like, please, God, let them pick those. Because we knew they were together and they were done. And like, those were good to go. And then it's like, there were some that we worked with that it was like, oh, dear God, please don't pick them. I actually was uh, telling one of the um, young ladies that I supervise, um, because we're, we're going through an audit pretty soon. Actually, so October, I believe, and uh, I I know, right? I and I was like, listen, it. if they they pick ours, 
we're good if we're golden mm-hmm. um i'm you know so You're, yeah you'll be fine we'll, we'll be all right so we'll be it's, it's okay like yeah. it's scary but we'll be okay i so. know Anyway, yeah, that's the body farm. I love that. Hey, y'all, let us know if you've ever like been able to go or maybe you were a student there yeah. or even if you were a student who was not um, an anthropology student, um, but maybe you were majoring in English and you just smelled some things. Right. Like, tell what was us, that I've like? never been on the campus. So Me like, neither. Give us a rundown if you went there or know someone who did. Please I mean, do. I'm sure we could do a Google search, but it's much more fun to look at. Actually, hear it from my y'all. my friend Megan did go there. Ooh, did she go there? Is this brunette Megan or blonde Megan? Blonde, blonde Megan. No, no, did she? Find no, out. she went to. Let us know. I don't know. She One was, of those schools. She was a biology major. She went to King's College. So not. <laughs> no, but I feel like she did something at UT Knoxville. I've got to talk to her about this. Talk to her. All right. Let us know. All right. We're all invested now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if they want to tell us their experience, Haley, how do they do that? Yeah, you can um, send us an email at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. I will respond. Um, Give me, you know. A decade. No, I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. Within 24 hours, you will receive a response. Wow. Um, I am pretty punctual on that. I'm prompt on that. you can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia or on our Instagram at Mountain Mysteries dot Appalachia. Um, you can also get some bonus content and interact with us a little bit more on our Patreon um, at patreon.com slash Mountain Mysteries. Yes. And, you know, the more who join, the more who know that we're kind of crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, the Patreon's a whole nother... The ones of you that are there, you know. <laughs> There's very little editing done on those episodes. And we're a little cray-cray. It's, yeah. yeah. It's usually late at night when we record. It's Holly and Haley after dark. That's what we exactly. like to call it. Yes, I'm, I'm less restrained if you can believe that or not. Yeah. They can. All right. It's intense. It is. I want to give a quick shout out before we go to Hyattsville, Maryland. Hey. Hey. Thank you for listening, Maryland. All right, Haley, your episode next week. I can't wait. We're actually going to go back to Knoxville next week. Holy Stromboli. Yeah. See, we can't quit Knoxville. We can't quit Knoxville. We love you. You're great. See you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye.